I thank him for where he's brought me from and where he's taking me to. I thank Pastor Venice for his invite. I, I, I sit back and I admire him. I've had a, the privilege of having a ringside seat in his life. And there's not, there's no one, I want to put it this way, he's in the top of all the men I know or people I know when it really comes down to trusting God. I'm not talking about something I heard. I know. So I'm thankful, and his walk has helped my walk. He's a true brother, excellent pastor. He has walked with me through the valleys and on the mountains. So I'm thankful, and I'm humble. Um, also like to thank my childhood buddy, who's here, Pastor Stephen Talbert. God has done some amazing things. He's planted a church and was meeting in a senior citizens hall three years ago. But just last Sunday, they walked into their new edifices, a new church. Greater Grace, Greater Grace Christian Church. Amen. And I'm just so thankful, um, just people that you meet in your lives. And there's another uh, brother here who is so faithful, and, uh, Brother Cox who comes to pull my uh, poured out ministry. He snuck in here on me this morning <laughs> with his son right there. I am so thankful to God. There are many preachers, my brothers in the ministry that could be up here preaching this word right now, so I don't take that lightly into the choir. And I just thank you for leading us in worship. And, and some things never change. Kim always come around when she gives her offering. Tells me when I'm preaching, I'm putting this in, but I need you to give me this back. <laughs> I can count it. But I know you came out, and I know it's good to hear worship, but I know you came out for a word. You didn't get up on this Sunday morning, rainy Sunday morning. You could have stayed in bed, but you came out to the house of the Lord. Give yourself some praise this morning. I think I'm missing my glasses. I guess I better try to go without it. Is my glasses down there? Help me. I know. I do that. I'll be preaching in Hebrew trying to read. I'd like to call your attention to uh, the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, um, starting in verse 26, and we'll read through verse 30. I'm cognizant of the Sunday school hours, so we're going to get into this word and, uh, and hear what the Lord has to say. Numbers 13, verse 26. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron, to all the congregation of the children of Israel, until the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came unto the land whether thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. 
Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Andanaks dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb, this is our verse, he stilled the people. He basically told them to be quiet. Stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. I like to use a thought or comparison this morning, comparing seeing is believing versus believing is seeing. Let us pray. Father, we are just so thankful to be in your presence right now. We're thankful for to be your children. We're thankful how you look out over us and cover us and keep us. But Father, we ask right now that your word come forth. Father, we ask that you hide me and let them see you. Let them know what a mighty God you are. Let them see what an awesome God you are. Let them see what a majestic God you are. We thank you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And Caleb stilled the people and before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. In our walk, in our everyday life, there, there are many things that we, we use this saying uh, a lot. We say, you know, I can't believe it until I see it. Show me. And, and, and in some cases, that's okay. But that's not the case when you want a faith walk with God. God is not going to let you, if you really want him to bless you, and I'm talking about if you really want to be victorious in your walk, that cliche of seeing and believing will not work in your Christian walk. Actually, it's the opposite. You got to believe before you see. You got to believe that God's going to do that thing he said he's going to do in your life. And when you get in the middle of a crisis, you can't wait till then to say, Lord, show me. You got to see it and but you got to believe God from the very start about what you about to go through. So, so many times, and I think that's the problem with us as with the church. Sometimes we, 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 we fight against things and we don't go with the agenda of the church because we don't see it. Well, it ain't your job to see it. It's your job to believe it. Just to give you a lot of little context of the text, Moses had led the, uh, the Israelites out of Egypt, uh, out of Egyptian slavery. He had led them out of oppression and he had led them out of captivity. And he's leading them somewhere. He's trying to get them to the promised land. He's leading them somewhere. He's taking them on a journey of the promised land. And this is the same God. This God had promised them this over 460 years ago, and he promised them then, but now they're right at the edge, Reverend Berg, of going into the promised land. 
So God tells Moses to send 12 men into the promised land, and we call them spies. And they finally get on the edge of the promised land, and so God gives Moses the instruction to send 12 men, and it was one leader from each tribe. And many times, I know some of you are running ahead of me, because y'all think that, you know, we know the story. We know that there was 12 that went, 10 came back and gave a bad report, and two gave a favorable report. Well, I want to argue with you this morning is that those 10 leaders, it wasn't that they didn't have faith. It wasn't like they were just 10 men that they randomly picked. These were 10 leaders of the 12 tribes. These were, these were holy men. These are men that had walked through the dry ground on the Red Sea. They had seen God do some things. So they weren't just 10 men that came out and they came out scared. So this is where we pick up in Numbers 13, 27. They gave Moses this account. They, they gave Moses this account. He said, we went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, and here's the fruit. It tells us that the grace was so big that two men had to carry back a cluster. Now you go to Kroger's and buy a bag of grapes. Can you imagine grapes so big that two men had to carry them back so they could see them? And, and what these grapes represented was God's promise. They represented that God's provision that he was going to provide for the children of Israel. But look at verse 28. But the people who live there, this is what they said, are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. For we even saw the descendants of Anak there. And that's the, 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 the tribe that Goliath came out of. They were big men. And we even seen Anaklis live in Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites. And they live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the Sea of the Jordan. But then when Caleb was sitting up there listening to them say all that, verse 30, Caleb says, Caleb silenced the people before Moses. And he said, not only did he silence them, he said, we should go up right now. Basically what he was saying. He said, I don't need to hear all this other stuff y'all talking about. We need to go up right now. Look what he says. He said, we need to go and take possession of the land. And this is the part I really like because he said, for we are well able. He didn't say we might be able to take the land. There's some things in your life, my brothers and sisters, where God is saying it's time to go take it. And you keep trying to have a discussion with God about it, and you keep having negative thoughts feed your mind, and you know he's giving you a mission, a promise, to, a, a vision to go after it. And there's some things where you just got to be like Caleb. So, so let's dig into this thing. Let's dig into this. The ten spies... And the two spies, they all saw the same thing. Isn't it amazing how everybody can see the same thing and come back with different ideas of what they saw? Isn't it amazing how everybody can hear the same sermon, but everybody comes back with different versions of what Pastor Vanna said? I preach sermon, somebody said, oh, I heard what you said that. I'm saying to myself, I didn't say that. It's amazing. They all saw the giants. 
They all saw the fruitfulness of the land. They both saw the valleys and the hills. They all walked on the same terrain. They all saw the dragons in the land. They all saw the fruitfulness of the land. And they saw that the grapes were so large. But Caleb and Joshua, who was the other spy, they live from a different perspective. And I'm trying to cut through the field. The difference between the 10 spies and the two was their perspective. The two spies, from the very start, they believed God was able. They didn't have to go over into it and say, is God going to do this? Caleb and Joshua stepped into it and said, God's going to do it. Yeah, they saw the giants. Yeah, they saw, they, 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 they saw the, 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 the threats of the land. But that's the difference when you know who God is. God, he let them, he let them see that. Caleb and Joshua had a perspective was, yeah, I see the giants. But my God is powerful. My God can take down the giants. That's why David was so effective what he did. David, he killed, uh, he saw, he stepped up to Goliath and said, who is this guy talking about our awesome God? You got to have the perspective from the very start of your journey. Every time a crisis, every time a challenge, I don't care what it is, you got to have that perspective of Joshua and Caleb that's saying God is more powerful than anything. They believed to the point that the obstacles were not really a challenge to them because they believed in God. Last, uh, look at the text. Caleb said, let us go at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. They believed God first. Then they saw the other things. To them, God was omnipotent. To them, God was all-powerful based on the other things he had already done. Compared compared to the 10 spies, for them, they viewed God because they looked at the giants first. And they wondered, did God have the power for them to be victorious? Actually, they doubted because they said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. They didn't even believe that God could, could make them win. And that's the difference, but Caleb and Joshua, they believed. Here it is, brothers and sisters. Caleb and Joshua started from a standpoint of belief. From a standpoint. So many times we want God to show us something. God don't, God, God don't work like that. You got to believe in who he is. They saw the obstacles. Therefore, they believed that they were not able to take the land. Then they saw the giants. Therefore, they believed they were grasshoppers. So one group started from a standpoint of believing God, which made them uh, seem like the opposition they had to face would be non-threatening to them. The 10 spies, they saw the obstacles. But if God is for us, as this is what Caleb and Joshua said, if God be for you, who can be against you? Or we can live from the other standpoint of seeing circumstances that just swallows us up. So if the choice is yours. It's like God said, choose this day who you're going to serve. Matthew 14, verse 22, Peter was walking on water. 
when it looks like when he looks at Jesus, he's walking. He's actually walking on the water. The Bible says he took his eyes off Jesus and he saw the wind. I don't know how you see the wind, but that's that's what the Bible says. But I think what it was, he saw the wind having an effect on the sea and he took his eyes off of him. So he concentrated on the wind and he began to sink. He reached down and Jesus reached down and caught him. And as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was walking on the water. And if when we take our eyes off Christ, we are focusing on the winds and the waves. We are seeing the crisis and not Christ. Then we believe that we can't do it. Many times we look at the crisis, but we don't see Christ. We are walking. We are his. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Let me say these three quick things and we'll wrap up because I know Sunday school's coming. There are three quick points that I want to share with you that will hopeless help us in our walk. And um, the first one I think we need to do is focus on what we think. Focus on your thinking. One thing, we are so judgmental. We let so many negative thoughts come into our mind. Not only about other people, but negative thoughts about ourselves. For us to, like I said, it's easy to judge the, the 10 men who spent 40 days looking at the grapes after spending all this time there. You would think that they would have been so excited to finally uh, be close to the promise God has given them. But they were preoccupied with giants. They were preoccupied with walls and armies. They were focusing on problems and not the promise. But the more we understand the context of this text, the more clarity we'll get uh, uh, of what we're dealing with. You see, context, uh, understanding somebody, is the key to compassion. We need to be compassionate people. We should be the most compassionate people in the world. Look at your neighbor and say, you know, so many times in the church, we don't know what somebody else has gone through. And we take a, a, a 30 second snapshot and, and, and we become judgmental of them, of them. But you don't know what that person has been through. Maybe they shouldn't be. They're not where they should be. But who are you to judge? You weren't where you needed to be at some point anyway. You see, too many times in the church, too many times in the church, we try to clean the fish before we catch them. And we think about, and the things we think about that are not about God's agenda, you know, the things that, that, that we think about in our minds, if it don't line up with God, we need to get rid of that. We need to abolish that. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, at the end of that verse, he said, we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every Christian in this room, whatever you have thoughts, you should take that thought. Don't let that thing feed. You need to crush that thing because it don't line up with the word of God. So I need to focus on what I think. Secondly thing I need to do, I need to focus on what I'm hearing. 
Look what happens in the text. They come back from the land and they're given their report. It wasn't that Caleb was not aware of all the giants in the land. Caleb knew about that. He had spent 40 days looking at the same thing too. He said, but he got to a point where Caleb said, I don't need to hear that. But you don't need to keep hearing someone talk negative thoughts in your ear when you're trying to walk with the Lord. You can't be on the phone gossiping about somebody else and, 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 and trying to get to the next level in the Lord. You, 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 you got to shut that kind of thing down. What you need is somebody in your life that's going to declare the things of God over your life. God said he would give you this land. Some of you here today, you know God's telling you he wants you to go after something. If God said he's going to give it to you, you got to declare that thing and believe it that he's going to give it to you. Caleb said, I don't want to hear about no giants. You have to focus on what you hear. We pollute our faith because we expose ourselves by what we are hearing. The 10 spies came back and they're talking about giants and walls. Instead of talking like men of faith, they are talking like, they're just talking like weak men. They keep talking about but, 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 but. Caleb has the fortitude to say, stop talking to me like that. I don't want to hear it. You see, brothers and sisters, there are some things that God has called you to that you need to step out on faith. Maybe he's calling you to start your own business or to start opening your heart again. Maybe he's calling you to to work in a ministry, to start your own ministry. You got to listen to what God is saying. You need to be selective to what you're hearing because your faith is a product of your focus. You have to focus on what you hear. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I have to submit my life by the words that God has spoken over my life. God said I belong to him. God said that I'm his child. God said no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You know, I'm sorry, sometimes you just got to say them words out loud. It's got to be more than you reading the Bible sometimes. Sometimes you got to have a conversation with yourself. Sometimes whatever you're doing, you tell yourself, I'm not going to do that. I don't need to hear. There's certain things you don't need to hear. You don't need to hear things that's going to take you out of what you're trying to accomplish. I need friends that will come into battle with me. I need friends that's going to declare what God has spoken over my life. And the last number three, I want to say this, and uh, we need to focus on what we say. There's a real difference between the way Joshua and Caleb talked about their situation and the way the ten spies did. When I first read this text, I thought the ten spies were lying about what they saw. I thought that maybe because what they had already been through, that maybe they didn't want to go into the promised land. And then I noticed verse 32, and it says, and they spread 
among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. It says they said a bad report. Not a false report, but a bad report. Anytime you're going to talk about what God can't do. Anytime you talk about what God won't do. Anytime you talk about that God is not able to get you through this. That's a bad report. It wasn't a false report that they said. There were giants there. But what made it a bad report is because they doubted what God can do. How many bad reports have you had in your own mind where you say, I don't know if God's going to do this. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I think he didn't left me. And we singing songs like he bought me too far to leave me, but in your mind, you thinking God didn't left you. That's a bad report. The enemy will deceive us in our lives. He'll have us to look at every situation, but his goal is for us to come up with a very false and bad report. That's what Satan is trying to do. Satan wants you to give it a bad report. Satan wants you to say, I don't think I'm going to make it. Satan wants you to say I, 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 that, that, that this situation, I'm down to my last dime. I'm about, I'm about done. And know that, you know, he don't want you to say, I know my God is going to step in right on time. So what you say, my brothers and sisters, is a reflection of what you believe. It, it, it's really, it's really when, I, when I looked at this text, it really is a recipe if you want to walk victorious in Christ. It's two sides to it. If you want to have victory in Christ, then you got to learn and study what Joshua and Caleb did. You got to know that no matter what the situation is, from the very start, my God is able. My God is awesome. My God's going to bring me through. Or you can go to the other side of this thing and you can say, I don't know. Well, if you're saying I don't know, you already defeated. I'm tired of us walking around as Christians on our walk being defeated. I'm talking about from preachers to the back door. Someone today is looking at a real tough situation in this room. Someone is looking about what God is calling you to do. And the thing you need to do is change the way you talk about it. My brothers and sisters, I dare you to trust God in your situation, what you're going through right now. I double dare you to trust God. I don't care how bad the situation is. I'll double down on it. I dare you to trust God. No matter what it looks like right now, I dare you. Paul says, I believe and now I have spoken. See, you got to believe before you speak that thing. Oh, it's easy to speak that thing. But if you guys a different thing, if you believe it, then speak it. If you're sick, his word says, by, my, by his stripes, I am healed. If you're in a financial situation, the cattle on a thousand hills is my God's. 
Yes, I messed up and I made some bad mistakes, but you got to know his word said that my God is a redeemer. Sometimes you have to look at your situation right in the face and say, yeah, I know. I may not, may not be favorable, but I tell you the situation. What God has said is true. If he said it, he's going to give you the land, then plant your feet. Stay right there. Stand through the storm. Stand through the rain, but don't go nowhere. You need to stand. 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 Number 14 and 8 says, if, the, if, if, if it pleased us, he will lead us into the land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Jacob and Joshua kept repeating what God said. That's what you got to keep doing, my brothers and sisters. You got to keep saying to yourself over and over and over again. You got to look. See, 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 that's why I love Jesus. See, you got to. Here, here's the other key, my brothers and sisters. Your situation, you got to look beyond it. You got to look. You got to look beyond it. You just can't look to it. You got to look beyond it. You see, Jesus looked beyond the cross. Jesus looked beyond Calvary. He knew that God would raise him for the dead. Oh, what an awesome God we serve. You got to look beyond that thing. What you see is not just it. God has a plan. All things work together for the good of them that love you. See, God, Jesus knew. He looked beyond Calvary. He looked beyond the cross because he knew God would raise him up from the dead. And I know we say that, and that's very cliche, oh, he died. No, you, you got to really know he died. Jesus was dead. Rigor mortis had set in. Jesus was all the way dead. His skin was, his, was cold. He was dead. The water was coming out inside. Jesus was dead. But even before that, he knew. He knew. He believed that God will raise him. So on Friday, he died. Knowing that I got to go through this pain. I know I got to go through Calvary. I know I got to go through the cross. But I know my God. And I'm telling you, he died. And what, 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 what really gets me is that he died for me. He died for me. He looked beyond my faults. He died for me. And that's why I got to serve him. That's why I got to praise him. That's why I'm going to give him the glory. Because God died for me.